Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Well, there's been a few times in my life where I have had a laser-like focus. Laser-like focus. For example, uh, uh, some years ago, I had a desire to go to seminary. Now, I gra- when I graduated from college, I had student loans as well and uh, was not a great student. I was not a great student. Uh, when, I was in, when I was in high school, I, you know, just above average. And in college, I did a little bit better, so I wasn't a great student. But I really had a desire. I wanted to go uh, to seminary. And so I made a deal with God. Has anybody ever done that before, right? I'm not saying that God made a deal back with me, but I'm just saying I made a deal with God. I told God, I said, if you'll help me get into seminary, then I'll do everything I can to stay there. Is that a good deal? I thought it was a good deal with God, right? And so sure enough, I applied, applied for seminary, got in, and there was a scholarship, uh, and I applied for that, and I was able to get that. And so, so the door opened up to where I could go to seminary. I was living in Ohio at the time, so I was going to have to move all the way out here to California. I went to Azusa Pacific uh, uh, to pursue a master's degree there, and it all opened up. I had about $2,000 in my bank account. Now, how many knows that that is not a lot of money when you move to Southern California, right? In Ohio, I probably could have retired off of that, but in California, it is not the, not the, the same case. And uh, I moved all the way out here, had the scholarship, had a little bit of money in the bank account, and, uh, but I had no job. And the whole time, as I was prepping to move out here, I was sending letters and emails and everything to try to find a church that I could land in, uh, where, where I could you know, pursue my studies and, and work a little bit. And if they could pay me a little bit, that would be awesome. But nothing opened up. And so when I moved out to California, we moved to Orange County. Uh, I lived with uh, my, my buddy at the time. He grew up in Michigan. So two Midwest boys, we got as close to the water as we could. Uh, there in Costa Mesa, about a mile from the beach. And, uh, and I told God, I made this deal, remember, with God, that if you'll get me into seminary, I'll do everything I can to stay there. And so I had to get a job. So I, I leveraged the only contact. I knew one person in the entire Orange County area connected with her. She was able to help me get a job at the spaghetti factory in Newport Beach. And so I went and got my black pants and my white shirt and my beach cruiser, and I would ride my bike all the way down to work. And I went to work, and I, and I, and I, I worked hard there, obviously, so I could pay my rent and, and, and pay for my expenses and stuff as I was in seminary, and, and worked really hard, worked really hard in school. And you know what happened? I was laser-focused. I was laser-focused. I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew exactly where I, where I wanted to be. And I was laser focused. And sure enough, I graduated in under three years and they elected me to be the senior speaker for my class. Now, I tell you that story, one, so I can brag a little bit on myself, right? (laughs) But also to highlight this. Unfortunately for me, that story is a bit of an anomaly in my life. Because I have difficulty, I often have difficulty finding uh, passions and things that, I want, that, I, that will give me that laser-like focus that I can then pursue with all of my energy. I, I struggle, I wrestle with finding things that I, I feel like, man, that's the thing I want to do. That's what I want to go after. Now, I'm sure you've had that experience too, right? 
I'm sure you've had that experience where you have had a laser-like focus. Anybody here, you're sitting next to the person that you got a laser-like focus for, right? You got real excited about them. You, you did all kinds of crazy stuff to get them to notice you, right? You, you bought them flowers. You took them to movies that you didn't care about. You did everything that you could, right? You've had a laser-like focus. You know what that's like. Or maybe you've got a summer job to where you could buy that cell phone that you really wanted, Right? We've all had those moments where we've been laser-like focused, but my guess is, is that many of us in this room, that those stories, unfortunately, are an anomaly in our life, meaning that it's hard for us to, to find the things that we really want to pursue. But what if, hear me this morning, what if there's a process that we can apply to be able to find the things that we want to pursue in life? What if, what if there is a way where we can kind of develop a process to, to where we can ask some questions and we can do some stuff that would help us funnel and be able to find the things that we're passionate about and the things that we want to run after in 2018? What if that's possible? Well, the good news for us is that it is possible. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Nehemiah. And, and before you put that up, I'm going to give context, but please move to Nehemiah. It's in your Bible. It's in the Old Testament. I'm going to set up, set up some context for us before we move forward. But that question, to, to, to develop and, and to have a process, right? Because how many, how, many how many here you love... You love being mediocre at whatever it is that you're doing. How many here, you're like, I'm, I'm pretty mediocre at that, right? There's pretty much, okay, we got a hand. He's, at least he's honest, right? Yeah, I got, he's like, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty mediocre at watching TV, right? I don't really look to improve that one. I'm good on there, right? Most of us, most of us, you know, whether, whether it's our, our relationships with our, our spouses or with our kids or at work or whatever it is, most of us, we want to identify things that are just going to make us come to life, Right? Like back to my story, when I was going to seminary, that whole idea, the whole pursuit, it just brought me to life. It gave me energy, it it gave me excitement to where I I was just, oh, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. But but those moments, they seem like they just find a, you know, they they tend to hit us in the head. There's no way that we can kind of like be intentional about it, but that's what I want to look at this morning. So in Nehemiah, say Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a, is a, uh, was, a, was a regular person. He's a person in the Bible and, and has a, a, a book in the Bible named after him. And he was, but he was just a regular person, meaning that he wasn't a priest. He wasn't a king. You know, he wasn't any of those things. He was just, he was just a regular person. He was like you or I. And, and he lived during a time where uh, uh, his people, they had lived in a land and then they got conquered and then they got sent to different places and stuff. And so he got sent and he was a cupbearer. Say cupbearer. Cupbearer is like one of those kind of funny jobs, right? And last week we talked about what is a cupbearer? What is a cupbearer? Do we remember? You test the wine, right? You test the wine. So your job is if the, king, if you're, if the wine is here and the king is there, you are the middleman, 
Nehemiah might have been the original middleman, right? Before it got to him, it went through Nehemiah to make sure that it was good, all that kind of stuff. So that's his job. And he was, he was living and, and serving during this period of King Artaxerxes. King Artaxerxes. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but there's a, fa- a, a real popular movie a couple, couple uh, years ago called The 300, and it was kind of based around this, this king. And, and we're not sure if it's exactly that king, but it was kind of this time period, and it was, it was this type of a king. And so, so Nehemiah is a regular guy, and, and he hears, he learns that his nation, the place where he grew up, that the walls had been broken down and that the city had been broken down, and it just grieved him, that, that it hurt his heart when he learned that news. And he thought, there has to be something that we can do about this. And so he kind of leveraged his relationships, and he, and he, and he got, got laser-like focus on what he wanted to accomplish and he, and he made a choice. And last week we talked about the importance of, of choosing, that we, we have this ability that makes us human to choose. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you have a choice. Tell him, you have a choice, right? We, we forget that. It, it's not that we've, it gets taken away, it's that we forget that we have a choice. That, that there's this paradox between a have to and choose to. Like we don't have, you don't have to do anything. Do you know why? Because you're human and you have a choice. And so Nehemiah like operated in that, that idea that even though he was working for this like king that, you know, you know, was, could be kind of uh, uh, intense, he made a choice that this is what I wanted to pursue. This was my laser-like focus that I want to go after. But this morning, we're going to talk about more of, although he identified what he wanted to go after, was there some sort of process that he uh, applied or went through to be able to identify what it was that he wanted to chase after? And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you have Nehemiah, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. So if you got it, would you say, I got it? Okay, well, we'll put the words on you just because we're kind people here at South Hills. There you go. So it says here, he goes to the king and he asks him, this is what I want to go do. I want to go do this thing. So the king said to him, what is it that you want, right? So he musters up the courage to go to the king and he asks this question, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? Pause there for a moment. We talked about that last week. What is it that you want, now, now, I've asked a couple of people before, and honestly, this is a question that I wrestle with in my own life of, of, of identifying what is it that you want. Because for me, there's so many options. There's so many choices, right? What is it that you want? What, what show on Netflix do you, want, do you want to watch? Holy moly. Anybody here ever spend more time looking for something to watch on Netflix than actually watching something on Netflix, right? I have been there. Doesn't that not, does that not feel how life feels like sometimes, right? When, you, when you're trying to pursue something, when, you, when you're wanting to make an impact in the world and, and through your life, but yet it feels like trying to find a show on Netflix. How, how do we find that? And he asks this question, what is it that you want? And Nehemiah answers him. Nehemiah is very clear. He knows exactly what he wants. He says, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can go and I can rebuild it. And then the king, with the queen sitting there, asked me, well, how long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. 
so I set a time. Now, before we jump into the process, right, we're going we're gonna to talk about the process of, of being able to apply something to where we can find a way to, to identify the things we want to do. I want to talk about this part first, and it's the pieces. It's, there's pieces that are significant to the process. Say that. Say the pieces. The pieces are significant to the process. Now, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on this, but I want to highlight this because this is important. If you're sitting here today and, and you're hoping that you'll just stumble upon that, that life-changing thing that you're going to pursue, it might not happen that way. But there are pieces that I want to talk about. The first piece is this, and it's actually from the narrative. You can leave the narrative up there. Is this. What do we see Nehemiah doing? What do we see Nehemiah doing? The first one is this. Is that Nehemiah was faithful to God. Nehemiah was faithful to God. Every turn, every place, we see him approaching God. He's, he's, praying, to, he's praying to God. He's trying to gain wisdom for, for what direction he's supposed to take in his life. Now, that is significant for us this morning because I got to tell you, even if you're new, you're visiting this morning, and you don't, you know, you don't really care about where God's at, that's fine. Let me hit you with a pause for a second. Let me speak to people that, that are Christ followers. If your relationship with God is not lined up and is not good, then, then it's going to be really difficult to find the thing that you want to pursue. What this first part tells me is that that is critical to the process. Being faithful to God, like actually caring about what God thinks for my life and, and my actions and my decisions, all that stuff is super important. And the room got very quiet, right? But I have to highlight that this morning because the first thing you see him doing is that he's faithful to God. The second thing is this, is that we see Nehemiah being responsible. He's responsible. He's responsible financially. He's responsible with his families. He's responsible with his duties. How do I know that? Because he could not go and take on this project if he had a bunch of loose ends not tied up yet. That tells me that he, he's a responsible person, that he's taking care of the things that he needs to take care of. He, he's got a little bit of money in reserve to where he can go and pursue this, this trip. He's being responsible, and he's responsible with his relationships. He must have had good enough relationships to where he had the trust built up to where he could go and pursue this thing that he wanted to pursue. And then the third part is this, is that he had favor with the king. He had favor with the king. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, do you, ask him, do you have favor with the king? Turn and ask him, do you have favor with the king? And if someone just responded and said, I am the king, then we're, we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards, right? Right? Now, now, now we don't, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily, we don't serve kings, right? In a, you know, in America, we, we don't do that, but we do have bosses. Does anybody have a boss, right? Does anybody have anybody that you answer to, right? Does anybody have um, um, uh, people that are in positions of authority that you work with, right? Maybe it's another department, it's another whatever it is. And so there's, a, there's an idea here that scripture is communicating. And what we see Nehemiah operating in is that he had favor with the king. That when he does go to the king, when he does approach the king with his request, he had built up enough favor with that king to where the king was ready to grant his request. Now that's important. These pieces are super important before we jump into the process. There is a process and we're going to get there, but the pieces are so critical before we can ever get to that point. So now let's jump into the process. Anybody ready for the process, right? 
Okay, three people. I'll keep working. I'll keep working, right? But we're going to jump into the process. But before we jump there, let me highlight how, how we usually go about things, right? So you're here 2018, this January 14th. You know, maybe you've put a little bit of thought into like who, you know, the type of person you want to become in this year or the type of husband or wife or the type of employee or, or musician or student, whatever it is. And you put some thought into that, that type of a thing. And then now you're ready to go at it, right? Now, now you're ready to uh, uh, pursue that thing. Here's our typical process for pursuing that thing. Put the graph up for me. Here's our, here's our typical uh, process is that we try to do everything popular now. We try to do everything, which is like the what? I'm gonna try to, you know what, 2018, it's my year, right? Watch me shine, ready? You know what I'm gonna do this year? I'm gonna lose 25 pounds. I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out of, I'm gonna knock off $25,000 in debt. I'm gonna buy a $25,000 car. I'm gonna be 25,000 better, times better to my wife, right? I, I'm, just, I'm just gonna be all of these things, right? And then the reason that we did it is because we read an article in GQ, right? Well, like, well, this is, I guess this is what the new man looks like. It's, you gotta do all of these things. Oh, when are you gonna accomplish it? By Super Bowl Sunday, February 4th, right? I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to do everything popular now. And you can't see it up there, but that little spot in the middle is where most of us live and where most of us feel is that that is the highest point of frustration. That when we try to do everything that's popular right now, we end up feeling our most frustrated because it's impossible. You can't do all of these things. And if you can, you can only do it for a short amount of time. That's why in the opening, when, you, you know, when we decided, this is the year, I'm going to do all of these things. And then like by January 14, you're like, forget it. I'm going to go back to watching Netflix, right? But there's a different pot process. In fact, hold on a second. It's funny because when I, when I started here at this church, I, was, it was, I joke about this was the first church that they gave me the keys to. Think about that for a moment, right? All the other places I worked for, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have all of the keys. I got all the keys here, right? And uh, being younger, you know, in a, in, a, in a you know newer pastor, you know, like, so so what are you going to do now? Well, I'm going to do everything, right? We're going to get we're going to get life groups going. Our worship's going to be the hottest. We're going to have youth going. We're going to have kids ministry happening. We're going to be doing outreach. We're going to be doing marriage conferences. We're going to be doing concerts. We're going to beautify this place. We're going to do everything. Why are you going to do that? Well, because that's what everybody else is doing, right? I'm on Instagram just like you're on Instagram and social media. I see what other churches are making happen and doing and stuff. When are you going to do it? I'm going to do it in my first 90 days, right? And I have to tell you, hindsight, looking back, like it's funny now, in the moment, it was one of the highest points of my frustration because you can't do everything that's popular right now. But there's a better process. Put this next graph up. And this is where we're starting to hone in this morning, that you can actually do the right thing for the right reason at the right time. You can do the right thing for the right reasons at the right time, and that sweet spot right there is where you want to live. 
When I was going to seminary, it was the right thing for the right reason at the right time. And it was a moment, it was a season in my life where I was pursuing the thing where I felt I was making the most meaningful impact with my life and through my life. And that's where I want to get us. The right thing is the what, right? Let's just take, like, let's just take uh, being a firefighter, right? You want to be a firefighter. That's, that's the right thing for you. That's the what. The right reason is why. Why do you want to be it? Well, I watched Baywatch one time, and the, uh, you know, the, the firefighter came on there, and he was really handsome, and he got the girls, right? It's not, that's not a great reason, okay? But when your reason is, no, I really want to help people, and firefighters really help people, awesome. You're knocking off the right reason. When do you want to do it? Well, there's like academy, and there's then the hiring process, then there's a timing issue. But when you can get into that sweet spot, that's where we want to live this morning. And I want to help us get there, and we're actually going to find it from the passage uh, this morning. But hear this. This morning is about discovery. This is about discovery. There's, there's a lot that's happening. There's a lot that, you know, a lot of ideas are being shared this morning. This morning is about discovery. This, you know, if, if something, the light bulb pops up in your head, awesome, write it down. But this, this is a moment for discovery because what we're going to do over the next couple of minutes, and then I'm going to get you out of here, is essentially what I want to help us do is I want to help us uh, create more of an advanced search criteria. Has anybody ever bought a car and you did it by looking on AutoTrader? Anybody like look for a car on AutoTrader? Anybody ever bought a pair of shoes off of the internet? Oh, ladies, come on now, right? (laughs) Even I've bought shoes off of the internet before, right? When you go to buy a pair of shoes or when you go to buy a car, if if you just hit shoes on the thing, what happens? You get to see the men's shoes, you get to see the women's shoes, you get to see the kids' shoes, you get to see the knee-high boots, you get to see the rain boots, you get to see everything, right? Same thing when you go to buy a car. When you just search car, you see everything. So what I want to do for us over the next couple of minutes is I want to give us an advanced search criteria, right? Because we're not just looking for anything, we're looking for the right thing right? Do you hear that? There's a big difference. That's a big difference. We're not even necessarily looking for the most important thing. We're looking for the most impactful thing. And so there's some questions. Put this up for me. There's three questions we're going to come back to. Three questions that are going to help us kind of hone in on what is it that we want to pursue, right? What do I feel deeply inspired by? What am I particularly talented at? And what meets a significant need in the world? There's that matrix, right? Those graphs that you just saw. What do I feel deeply inspired by? What am I particularly talented at? What meets a significant need in the world? And then there's a sweet spot for you this morning. So how do we get there? How do we we begin to mine for that? How How do we begin to explore those questions? We actually learn it from Nehemiah's story, and it's beginning in verse 11. So if you have chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, this is what it says. It says, so I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, say three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding. There was no horses. There was no, no way, means of transportation except the only one that I brought. So the first thing that, so, we're, so again, we're trying to find those questions. We're, we're, we're mining for those questions. The first thing that we see Nehemiah doing is escaping. Say escape. He escaped. 
He escaped, now not literally, he wasn't like a prisoner, right, on the run with the stripes thing, but what he did was that he got away from everybody. Last week we talked about how a lot of the, a lot of the, thing that, a lot of the things that cloud our vision is this thing called noise, right? Noise. And how on our phones, our phones are one of the biggest producers of noise in our life. And social media and, and just the access to, you know, we, we, know about, we know about a missile crisis over in Hawaii just as soon as they do. How good is that, right? It's like, shouldn't they know before I know about a missile coming to there, right? We, did anybody else hear about that? Okay, you guys are looking at me blank. Like, what, in the, what planet is he living on, right? Right? But, but it's noise, right? It, it, it's, it's noise. And so the first thing we see Nehemiah doing, we see, we see him getting away. He gets away. He gets away from everybody. He, he only takes them out and he, and he gets away. Because you know why? It's really hard to have clarity and think when you're constantly surrounded by friends and family and Netflix and work and all of this stuff. It's really hard. And so what we see him doing is we see him getting away so that he can think. What is it that I want to do? What am I, ta- what am I talented at? What would meet a, a, a need in the world? And, and he gets away. Now, what can this look like? What can that look like for us on a practical sense, right? What can that look like on a practical sense? It's interesting that uh, Bill Gates, you ever hear that guy? Bill Gates, right? Founder of Microsoft, you know, billionaire multiple, multiple times over. Do you know since the 1980s, he has uh, built into his schedule two weeks every single year where he just disappears. He, he does them at different times, but he disappears. He escapes for a whole week, and he calls it Think Week, where he gets away, and he reads articles, and he reads books, and he reads all kinds of stuff because he discovered the busier his life is and the more distracted and more noisy his life is, the more his need is to get away, to get away. So what can that look like for us, right? Maybe we can't schedule two weeks out of our year where we just disappear. Anybody, anybody in a relationship in the room? If you uh, disappear for two weeks, are they not going to call the police, right? Is that not how that works, right? So, so practically, what, what, is it, what does this look like for us? A couple of ways that we can do that, whether you can give two weeks uh, uh, you know, or, or even like two hours in your week or even five minutes in the morning. But before, you, before life gets busy, before things get going, and you just get five minutes where it's quiet, you can get your cup of coffee, maybe you can thumb through the scriptures, or you've got a, a book, just some, a moment where you can get away. Whatever that looks like, schedule that. Be practical about it. I, we have a five-month-old, right? So, so uh, you know, sometimes that fluctuates, but, but it is more important now in my life than ever, than to have these moments where I can get away. The second little part in that is lose your phone. I don't, I don't really mean leave it at church and lose your phone. I, I mean lose your phone, right? Your phone, if you put your phone on the charger and leave it in another room, guess what happens? It's still there when you come back, right? And, and all those notifications and, and all of those, how many likes are on whatever, it, it, it'll still be there, I promise you, right? But escape. Second thing we see him doing this, doing is uh, in the next part of the passage. In verse 13, he says, By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate. Now, I don't know why they called it the dung gate. I don't know if that was like, you know, were you 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> examining the walls. Now, if you've got a Bible or if you've got some notes, underline that. Right? He goes out. He's alone. And it, Scripture tells us that he examines the walls. He knows what he wants to pursue, which is that he knows the walls broke down. And so he knows that that's what I want to pursue. And so when he goes out alone, look what he's doing. He's examining the walls by, of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and burned out. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there wasn't enough room, you know, so I, so I went through this different place. And again, we see that emerging. I'm examining the walls. Finally, I turned back and I, I re-entered through the gate. The next thing that we see Nehemiah doing, this is very profound, is looking. He looks. He just goes to the wall and he looks. He visits the wall, he walks through the rubble, he talks to townspeople, he, he, he sees the scope of the problem, he assesses how much work it's gonna take, he collects information on what he, what he could do before he makes promises about what could actually be done. So he gets away and he, and he looks at the project, he looks at, at what is gonna need to happen in order for him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Now, what does this look like for our life, right? How many, we'll use the fireman example again, right? How many, you're sitting here and there's a, maybe there's a career path or, uh, you know, there's something that you want to pursue and, you know, how do you, how do you go about that, right? How, how do you go about that? Here's some practical ways. You can go and you can actually examine that thing. You can go and, and have conversations with a person that's in that field, a, a person that has, has done that journey before. What does it look like to run a, a, a you know, a, a marathon? What does that look like, Right? My first suggestion to you is probably to not just jump in and run the marathon, but to go and to do a little bit of research. Well, what kind of training do I need to do? What, 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 do I need to, what steps do I need to take to get to that point? What Nehemiah is showing us is that you can go and you can kind of research and look at what needs to happen in order for you to get there. One of the most practical and best ways that you can accomplish that is by journaling. By journaling. You don't have to raise your hand, but, but think about that. How many of you are, keep some sort of journal? Maybe it's on your phone or you know, maybe it's something where, where you're just writing down like ideas, things that you would love to do or you're interested in, right? Very, very practical. Again, remember what he's trying to accomplish. He's trying to build these walls. So he gets away and then he just examines. He gets away and he looks and he's examining. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, what are you looking at this morning? What are you looking at? And then turn to your other neighbor and ask him, do I have anything in my teeth? Go ahead and ask him. We good? Journal, volunteer, read, research, attend conferences, take someone to coffee. That's like my go-to thing. If there's something I'm interested in, somebody's doing something I've never done before, and guess what? I have a 100% success rate. No one has ever turned me down for free coffee. How about that, right? But if you're really interested in something and you want to pursue it, these are some of the ways that you begin to do that. The third part is um, it's not in... It's not, necessarily in the scripture, so I'm not going to like try to bend the scripture to make it say this, but it's very, very important for us in this whole, remember, this discovery process. We're in this whole exploring process of what are the things that is God stirring in my heart? How do I get there? Well, we got to get away, right? We know that. We've got, we got to begin to look at it. And then the, the third one is play. 
Play. Does anybody remember that word? Can you, does anybody remember that word, play, right? Does anybody have kids? Anybody have kids? Anybody ever been a kid? Does anybody, right? Should be everybody. Play. Play. Getting out and, getting out and playing. Now, Nehemiah, again, we're, I'm not pulling this from necessarily from the passage. Um, this is, a lot of this is based out of that book, Essentialism, by, by Greg McEwen, we talked about last week. But he highlights the necessity to get out and play. And you know what's interesting? They did a study. I think I have this slide. They did a study of over 6,000 people, and they, and they gave them this one task. They just said, keep doing whatever you're doing, right? Your work, your family, your life, all that kind of stuff. But you've got to play. Every day, you've got to find some way to play. And you know what they found? They found that play has the power to significantly improve everything from your health to your relationships to your education to your organization's ability to innovate. Play, they've learned, leads to to brain plasticity, adaptability, and creativity. Nothing fires up the brain like play. Can someone say amen? Amen, right? Isn't that beautiful about God, though? Isn't that beautiful about God? That, that God, like, we, we just make God so small. But God, when he created us, he created us with this, this ability to play. Do you know what play is? Play is whatever is fun to you, right? Over the Christmas time, I put together a thousand-piece puzzle. That was very fun for me. How many of you are like, that guy's crazy, Right? But, but play is what, whatever is enjoyable to you. And, and some of the recommendations are, you know, when you were little, what were, what were things that excited you? What, what were things that were, were fun for you? And how can you recreate that, right? Like, like, I can't go back, and they won't let me back on my high school basketball team, right, for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know. Burned up eligibility, or it's just creepy. I don't know which one, right? They won't, they won't let me go back and play. But I can still go out and play basketball. Another thing I love to do is fish. I love to fish. Do you know why I love the fish? Because when I'm fishing, do you know what I'm thinking about? Fishing. That's what I love about fishing. When I'm fishing, all I'm thinking about is fishing. But the importance, the significance of play in your life. As you explore, as you want to explore, right, and, and you're trying to def- figure out what is it that God is, is leading me to do, it's crazy when you'll just get out there and do something that's fun and enjoyable, how ideas and things will begin to pop in your head. Fourth one is this. This is my favorite one. And we actually see it from the passage. In verse 11, we see Nehemiah, and it says this. He says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days. What do we see him doing? He gets to Jerusalem, and he doesn't do anything for three days. You know what I believe he's doing? Sleeping. I think he's sleeping. Does anybody need a nap this morning, right? Sleeping. In this process of discovering what it is that God is leading us to do, right? We see him, we see him getting away. We, 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 we see him looking at what could be. We see him uh, uh, not necessarily playing, but he's pursuing something that he was passionate about. And then this last one is we see him, he's well rested, he's sleeping. Now, I'm not going to jump into all of the benefits of sleeping. There's so many benefits. We know so much now that if you're getting seven to eight hours of sleep, which we're new parents, so that's like... What is that, right? But, but, but more that you're, the more that you're sleeping, the more well-rested you are. And they used to think that sleep was about physical. It was like just physical. But what they're learning is it's actually more for your brain. 
That when, that when you go to sleep, that your, your brain is able to repair connections and make connections and do all kinds of stuff. And so the, the necessity of sleep, practically, what does that look like? Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Again, the phones, which are so great and they're, and they're such a tool for our lives, put it away. 30 minutes before you're going to bed, turn off all screens. You know that the hue from a, from a screen is communicating to your body light, which is not triggering you to fall asleep. It's triggering you to stay up. Sleep, 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 sleep. And finally this, as the band makes their way up here. So you're working through, you're honing. This is a process. You're, you're, you're processing, you're, you're discovering. And you're working through these pieces. You get to the last part, select. It's select. You finally get to a spot where you have to make a decision. Look at how the story ends this morning. In verse 16 to 18, it says this. It says, The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because I I didn't say anything to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or anybody that was going to be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in, right? Think about this for a moment, right? Home back in, home back in. He, he sees the thing that breaks his heart. He wants to pursue it. Scripture teaches us that then he, he leaves the castle, he leaves the kingdom, and he actually goes to the site, he gets away. While he's away, he's examining everything. He's, he's pursuing things that he's passionate about. He's resting. And he finally gets to this spot where he makes a choice, where he makes a decision. This is what we're going to do. He says, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we'll no longer be in disgrace. And I told him about what God had done and what the, what the king had said to me. And then the people responded, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. You see, all of this is just like ideas and good whatever, like a theory or all that kind of stuff. But it's all designed to get you to a place where you can make a decision. At the end of the day, you've got to select. At the end of the day, you've got, you got to move at something that you feel good about, that, that, that you're excited about. There's this thing called paralysis of the analysis. You ever hear that? Paralysis of the analysis is when you just constantly take in information and information and information and you never make a decision. You, you never move at things. And you know what I've learned in my life? Because a lot of us, I think, in, in the Christian circles, we're so afraid of pursuing something that is outside of God's will. What I have found in my life is that that target is a lot broader than you think. That if you're actually moving at something that is not in God's will, he'll let you know about it a lot easier than if you're moving at something that is not got to get to this point where we select, we make a decision, we pursue the things. Because if we sit in the pews, if we sit at our homes and we, and we just sit and we veg and we're watching Netflix and we're not doing anything, then we're going to continue another year where, well, maybe that could be or whatever. I want to encourage you this morning, hone in, move at the things that you feel God stirring in your heart. And so what do we do with this message this week? You ready for that? This week, 
All I want you to do is I want you to go explore. Go explore. Apply some of the stuff that we just talked about, whether that's getting away, going on a hike, taking a drive, whatever getting away looks like for you. Examine some of those things, those places, maybe those careers, those those spots, those passions, whatever it is, begin to examine that. Take some time to play. Do something for fun, right? Whatever that, whatever that looks like for you. Sleep, find some time to, to sleep, take a nap, rest, and then select. But what I want you to do is to go and explore. It's the last slide, please. Go and explore these three questions. Write them down on the outlines. Take it with you. And here's the cool thing, is that God is in it with you. God's not trying to distract you and keep you from pursuing what you're, what will make, bring you joy and will make a difference in the world. God's in it with you. But here's also what I've learned about God is that he won't tell you what it is. He won't come out and just say, you're going to be a fire firefighter like the one on Baywatch. God doesn't do that. But what he will do, because he wants you to discover, just like you as parents have children and you don't tell them exactly what they need to be when they grow up, but rather you, you, you train them and you teach them and you love on them. So ultimately they can make decisions for themselves and pursue the things that just light up their world. Your heavenly father is the same way. So as you go on this journey and you're exploring, what do I feel inspired by? What am I, what am I good at, right? And then what would make a difference in the world? You're going to find your sweet spot. And it's not about adding a bunch of stuff. It's actually by taking some stuff away where we find what God has for us. Would you pray with me this morning?